Y'all can get very excited. I got a map today. Oh, yeah. It's multimedia. It's really going to happen. So, <laughs> a good life question. What kind of a person do you want to become? What kind of a person do you want to become? So for many of us in our, especially in the, maybe the younger years of life, you know, we don't actually give a lot of thought to that question. We, we are thinking more about things like, what do I want to achieve with my life? So you know, if, you're, if those of you who are under 35, you might be thinking about things like, you've heard the legends of home ownership. Like, it, it, it's, it's happened in fairy tales and things like that. Um, you know, or you're thinking about, you know, I want to be able to live independently. I want to be able to call my own shots. I want to make a million dollars. I want to make some really significant contribution to my career or something like that. And those are all good and valid questions. That's, that's good. But I'm actually talking about something that's even deeper today. What kind of a person do you want to become? What kind of a person? Like what, like, what are the character traits that you hope increasingly develop in you over time? So when, when you're, whenever you think of your life kind of at its, at its peak, which hopefully is, you know, I, I mean, as you get older, you get better, right? I hope. What kind of a person would you like to be? Now, I wanted to ask that question because um, today we're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be doing a bit of a survey between Acts 19 and 20 and 21. And, and, and you know, throughout the book of Acts, this is, this is the, you know, the story of God's work through the early church. The Holy Spirit gets poured out in the early church and new people come to Christ and new churches are getting planted and formed all over the place. And, and um, the gospel moves from being a message that's predominantly for the Jews to one that's for all people. And so as, uh, as new churches are getting formed, especially in the Gentile world, all around the Roman Empire, some new leaders emerge. And one of the leaders we've been learning about, especially if you've been following along, is the Apostle Paul. So he's kind of known as the apostle to the Gentiles. And the closing chapters of the book of Acts are really a lot about him. And you know his ministry and what happens with it and what you know and what what he does in his final uh, final years or at least the final years that we're aware of because the story of the book of Acts in Acts, uh, Acts twenty eight actually I mean there, there's a bit of a cliffhanger we don't know all that's going to happen after that point but what I wanted to look at today as we're as we're doing a little bit of a survey through Acts nineteen twenty and twenty one and please get your Bibles out print Bibles glow in the dark what however you do it. Um, is I want you to notice what's going on in the character of Paul. Like, who is this guy? What's motivating him? What are words that would describe who he is at this point in his life? Because what I hope will happen, what I hope will happen, is that as we take a look at some of the attributes of Paul's life and who he had become over all of these years of following Christ, over all of these years of travel, over all of these years of hardship, that, that, that who he has become because of that long, long journey with Jesus, that that's going to help all of us to maybe set our sights on um, a, a good character target for life. What kind of a person 
do you want to become? Like, what kind of attributes do you want to have mark your life, especially in your life's final years? Who do you want to be? What kind of a person do you want to be? So let's pick things up. Now, as we pick things up, come on in for a little map. Map there. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Okay, this is starting off in Ephesus. So Paul has been in Ephesus right here for um, just over two years, and ministry has been really flourishing there. Uh, lots of people have been coming to know, to know the Lord. There's been some healings. There's been some miracles. There's been some exorcisms. And, and the, the story is about to, to kind of take its next chapter. So Acts chapter 19, verse 21. After all this, all this ministry had happened, Paul decided, or in some translations, decided in his spirit, or by the spirit, to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia. That's Macedonia over here. Okay. There we go. Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. And so he, makes, he starts making a trip, Thessalonica, goes through Macedonia, comes back, there's a bunch of different things. Then, then is, we're in, the, in the passage we're going to pick up next, he's now in, in uh, Melantus, and he wants to visit with some leaders from Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through, well, we're going to go 17 to 25, and then pick things up again, verse 36. From Milantus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, catch this, not knowing what will happen to me, only that I know in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. And then we get to verse 24. If you have this in your Bibles and your little digital Bibles, underline this, okay? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Verse 25, now I know that none of you, none, know, uh, know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the gospel will ever see me again. Verse 36, jumping forward. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and he prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And they, then they accompanied him to the ship. So he's in Milantis now, then a bunch of different stops. And now we're going to pick things up as he's back in Phoenicia. And now he's making his way down to to Caesarea. We're going to pick things up now in Acts chapter 21. Okay? Acts 21 verses 4, or sorry, um, 10 to 14. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. 
When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. What's a word that you would use to describe like what you're seeing in Paul in these passages? What is he? He's brave. What else? He's determined. He is totally determined. Selfless, yeah. God-centered, absolutely. Resolved, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of the things, as we've been getting to know Paul, uh, as we've been reading through the book of Acts together as a church, is that there is a bit of a, well, there's a bit of a difference between early Paul and late Paul. Now, Paul was, has a, he was a brilliant guy all along, and God used him all along. And, and for the record, this isn't me trying to question the, um, the, any of the, of the authority or inspiration of Scripture, even in, in the earlier passages that Paul wrote. But what I do want to note is that things started to change in Paul over time. Not with his message, and not with whether or not he was make, doing good theology, but some elements of his character started to mature. Now, we first met Paul back in Acts chapter 9. So as we, I'm just going to read from verses uh, 15 and 16. So he's, he's been blinded. He's met Jesus on the road. He's been, he was a Pharisee, uh, very, very zealous for the Lord, really thought that the best thing that he could do is to, uh, is, to, is to kill off Christians or imprison Christians, do whatever he could do to stop this Jesus movement. And then Jesus appears to him in a vision. And... Uh, Paul is struck blind, his, his life is turned around, he has a completely new attitude. And then um, after he's struck blind, oh my, what's the guy's name again? Help me out. I should have my paper Bible up here. Anyways, the, another, a fellow believer is, is told to... Pr- thank you, thank you, my dear. Uh, yeah. I'm recovering from a cold. My brain is a little bit fuzzy, but my wife's brain is sharp as a tack. Okay. One among many reasons I love her. So, um, so Ananias is called, to, is called to pray for Paul. Ananias doesn't want to do it. And so as we pick things up in Acts chapter 9, verses 15, 16, but the Lord said to Ananias, see, it's right there on my page. See, look at that. Look at that. You're so good. Go, this man is the chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. A lot of Paul's ministry involved suffering, involved hardship, and involved um, having having to face some significant disagreements. And um, I'm going to put this, just the reference for a verse up on the screen. This is from one of Paul's earlier letters, Galatians chapter 5, verse 12. And I'm not going to actually, this is a spicy verse, I'm just telling you. So as Paul is facing some of his early critics in Galatia, this is one of the letters that he, that he writes. And I'm going to know the moment that, you, that you've looked up this verse. I'm going to see it on your face. Some of you, some of you have got it. But here's the point. Somebody got it? I'm not going to ask you to read it out loud. I'm going to know when you've looked it up. 
So as Paul is facing some of his early critics, you know, some of us, some of us, you know, some of us here, we've, you've got, you're good with words, and, you know, you're in a situation, and maybe you're in a... Brian's looked it up, I can tell, yeah. See, they, they could be your life first now, right? Okay. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, verse 12, it's a good verse. Well, it's a bad verse, but it's a good verse in all, in all these same ways. So some of us, some of us, those of us who are good with words, you've got these zingers running through your mind. You, you, know, you know who I'm talking about. And, and you know that there, there are times you've got those really snappy comebacks, and you could just, you could just level a person. You got really, my greatest regrets are, are, in the life are linked to my snappy comebacks. And in Galatians, you know, Paul was facing an issue where he was absolutely right. And he was facing critics that were absolutely wrong. And early Paul, early Paul just let him have it. And as we look at Paul's ministry as it matures over time, he's still right. He's still using good theology. He's still not scared of the critics. He, he's still resolute. He's still faithful. He's still determined. But he starts to approach things a little differently. He approaches his, his, um, his opponents with a little bit of a different tone. He's not so much worried about the zinger. He's not so much worried about just leveling them with how right he is, even though he was right. You see, Paul has gone through some pretty significant stuff. We, we learn about this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verses 24 through 27. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked. That's Paul's ministry. You know, uh, scholars tell us that by this point, this is Paul's third missionary journey, as he is making his journey into to Rome, by this point, he, is, he has walked about 10,000 miles. Just, just, I mean, now some of this is by boat, but like the, he has walked 10,000 miles. That's like walking across the lower 48 four times. So Seattle to New York, New York to Seattle, Seattle to New York, New York to Seattle. That's a lot of walking. That's a lot of walking. And in all that hardship, in all that trial, in all those tests, he's been walking with Jesus and Jesus has been walking with him. And the Lord has been doing something in his heart that's been maturing his character. Like I said, he was smart all along. He, know the, he knew the word all along. He knew the right answers. Well, after he met Jesus all along. But his character is deepening. He's still resolute, but, but there's, a, there's some new attributes in him. 
I'm, I'm amazed in, in the book of Philippians, he uses this phrase, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In, his, in the letter that to the best of our knowledge is his final letter to, in this case, to Timothy, a leader back in the church in, in Ephesus. He writes this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, um, he's probably writing this, you know, these words to Timothy in about A.D. 60, as far as we know, somewhere in there. Um, we don't know for certain, but legend has it that, that he, he died in A.D. 64. This is right after the big fire in uh, Rome and uh, Nero who's who's a bit of a nut job, was looking for someone to blame, and so he decided to blame all the Christians, and so that's when Paul was martyred, as far as we know, as far as we know. That's not in the Bible, so don't don't hold me to it that way, but as far as the the historical records tell us in about A.D. 64. But we see in this man, as he's making his journey to Jerusalem, that would eventually, and we'll look at this next week, lead to his journey to Rome. He's determined He's faithful. He's strong. But you notice how he handled the people that tried to stop him? Like the other Christians that are like, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. He was patient. He stayed connected. He stayed affectionate. He could have leveled a zinger, but he didn't. And even as if you read in, in Acts 21, even as he arrives in Jerusalem and the same old issue comes up with some of the Jews that are accusing him of not keeping the Jewish law, he ends up going into the temple and keeping, um, being a part of, a, of keeping a vow there. He didn't need to do that. This was, this was more just to try to de-escalate the situation. Now, it didn't really work. There was a riot. They tried to kill him afterwards. But, but the point is, He didn't just go charging in like a bull anymore. He was right, but he wasn't obsessed with being right. He was just walking with Jesus. As I noticed this about about Paul, about the the Paul that that in his later years, a a phrase, and just try this phrase on for size, because I think this one's got, I think this one's worth talking about. Of what does it mean to have Humble confidence. Humble confidence. Now, Paul was confident. Ain't nobody going to stop him from doing what, what, what he knew that God had laid on his heart. But it was no longer just confidence. It was humble confidence. At this point in his ministry, he's treating even his critics with a measure of respect, even when they're wrong. Humble confidence. We meet a lot of leaders who have confidence, right? People love to follow leaders who are confident. People, especially in, when in times of crisis, people love to follow leaders who are both confident and angry. But Paul... He was confident and humble. 
And the two might seem paradoxical, but there's, but there's a lot of paradox in, in the gospel. There's a lot of times where two truths are simultaneously present, simultaneously active. Paul was humbled because he knew who he was. He, he knew he was a sinner. He, he knew he was broken. He knew, like, like he writes in the, to the church in Rome, the church that he would eventually go and finally have a chance to visit, you know, he knew that, that he would often find himself doing the things that he didn't want to do and having a hard time doing the things he wanted to do. He understood his own depravity. And he also knew that he was beloved by God. Do you know that? You know, as you're walking with Jesus, and it's not about you just trying to show and trying to, you know, God to get your act together. It's just to walk humbly with Jesus, to lay every part of who you are before him. Knowing that you are loved. He's Humble because he knows who he is. He's humble because he's been walking with Jesus. And he's also confident because he's been walking with Jesus. The fullness of his his identity is found in Jesus. For me to live is who? Christ. And to die is gain. It doesn't mean that he's got a death wish. It doesn't mean he wants his life to be short, but he wants every moment of his life to count because he knows that the fullness of life is found only and solely in Jesus. For me to live as Christ, for me to die as gain, I'm going to be humble about who I am. I'm not going to pretend like I've got it more together than I've, than I've got it. And I'm going to be confident in my Savior. Paul has seen Jesus change people's lives from the inside out. Paul has seen miracles. Paul has seen healings. Paul has seen exorcisms. Paul has seen attempts on his life that he has just miraculously made it through. He has confidence. He has confidence in Jesus. Humble confidence. As you roll that phrase around in your mind, and I hope if, that this morning that you would. I hope you'll kind of try that on for size as one of the things, one of the phrases that you and I and we can use as kind of a life orientation. Lord, help me to have humble confidence. As you roll that phrase around, when you think of humble confidence, what does humble confidence mean for you? Like, how does that phrase land for you? What does humble confidence mean? Anybody uh, want to talk? Others first. Others first. Without neglecting your own needs either, right? Who else? What does humble confidence mean for you? Yeah. That you can be both humble and confident at the same time. This isn't just unrestrained strength. This isn't arrogance. But it's not being a pushover either. 
Not in the slightest. Others, what does humble confidence, the phrase humble confidence mean for you? Donna. To be able to fully trust in God. Can we turn the microphone on? Okay, all right. Others, what does humble confidence mean for you? A servant leader. Oh, yeah, we don't need it quite that much. A servant leader. Okay. Okay. How about others? Humble confidence. What does that mean for you? Not boasting. Right. You don't need to boast because Christ has done it all for us. That's right. So we can be confident in what Jesus has done for us. We can be secure in what Jesus has done for us. We have got nothing to prove because Jesus has proved it all. And we know who we are in him. Do you know who you are in him? Then in him, it's, you're going to say, you're as his child. In him, it's okay to not be okay because you're loved. It's okay to be broken because he's the one who has already made you whole. You can have humble confidence. So I urge you to just try that on for size this week. Lord, because you think about what kind of a person do I want to become? Not just what do I want to do, what do I want to achieve, how much do I want to make? What kind of a person do I want to become? Lord, help me to be someone who is humbly confident.